we have elders here. There's uh, five of us. And whenever we get together, it's wonderful. And we pray over the body and we try to uh, figure out what God wants to do here and not get in the way. <laughs> and so like, I'm just a volunteer, no pay, just uh, not been to seminary. So you got that to look forward to. So, um, but I do love God and I'm very thankful to be a part of this church family. So I appreciate the opportunity to get up here. Um, I was able to speak at baccalaureate uh, a year ago for Deer Creek at Church of the Servant. And so when this senior Sunday came around and Eric couldn't be here, he thought, we'll get Pete up there. So if you were there at baccalaureate, it's going to be a little reprise of that. Now there, they got off easy. They wanted 15 minutes. And then Eric says, no, half an hour, Pete. So sorry, guys. Anyway, uh, so uh, in Eric's style, he always gives you something to chat amongst yourselves back and forth. So I want you to think about, um, if you're older, what did you want to be when you grow up? And if you're a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? What, what do you want your life to be? What, what, where are you going in life? And so what do you want to be when you grow up? Talk amongst yourselves. Go ahead. Somebody say it. Something. Well, I bet there's some good ones out there, some uh, ones that would be great to share with the whole class, but that'll be, have to be another time, I guess. Uh, I can remember whenever I was little, uh, I think about what I want to be when I grow up, I remember thinking Superman was pretty awesome, and when I was little, I was like, Man, that's a pretty good career move, Superman, yeah. And then later, uh, once reality kind of starts hitting, and I was middle school and high school, I'm thinking, yeah, professional athlete, right? Reality, yeah. And so, I'm, that's me, yeah, yeah, this little guy. So um, anyway, I just think it's funny uh, how we grow and evolve and what God can do in us if we let him and how he can change us for the better if we just get out of the way. Um, and I think one thing we can all agree on is that we'd like to be happy, right? As a minimum, the lowest rung of the ladder, my look at my future, I'd like to at least be happy, right? Well, you know, I feel like there's a secret to that. Um, but it doesn't have to be a secret. We need to be telling one another about it. Um, I think that main thing is that God loves us, and we need a relationship with him, and that's the secret to being happiness. I think we're done here today. <laughs> Don't tell Eric. We'll go to lunch early. So when we look at that, I want you to think of something here. Um, I want you to say something that's kind of uncomfortable, but hopefully through your life you'll learn it looking back that it's really true, and it's God loves me. And so I want you to actually, you're going to say that with me. It's just three words, God loves me, on three, one, two, three, God loves me. All right, it's not going to be the first time, I'm not going to be the last time we say that today. So yeah, God loves me, and God's love for me changed my life. So when we start looking at people in the world, and we start kind of sizing them up, first impressions, you start thinking about their potential their abilities, their future, 
how things are going to be. Um, we do that all the time, and we sum ourselves up too, and we start putting things on ourselves, what the world puts on us instead of what God puts on us. I'm going to give you three different scenarios. Okay, the first one, uh, three different guys. The first one uh, lived in a mobile home in an auto salvage with a dog on a chain. Mom kicked him out of the house when he was 16 because uh, he wouldn't quit high school to support her. Went to a trade school. Girlfriend became pregnant. They married. She was 18. He was 20. Had no health insurance. Worked three jobs. Uh, the trailer they lived in later sold for 500 bucks. That's one guy. The world would judge them certain ways, wouldn't they? Another guy. Born living in a new home in the country. Went to a historically black university. Trying to get enough job so his wife didn't have to work and could stay home with the kids. Lived on a nice pond in a little neighborhood. It was quiet. That's not bad. The third. Grew up in a nice house on 30 acres with an orchard. Lettered in four sports. Received a scholarship to play Division I football. Went to a uh, got accepted to a fraternity. Um, after college, worked and managed companies and ended up starting his own company. His wife became a wonderful business partner had successful kids. Three different guys, right? The world would view them totally different. And if you're not careful, that guy would have viewed themselves different. Well, the thing is, all three of those guys are me. At different points in my life, that was who I was. However, when you think about these three guys and what the world would put on them and how the world would hold them down or judge them, and if you're not careful, that guy wouldn't have got very far. However, with Christ, you can do all things, right? And if we are a child of God and we actually believe that and we let that sink in, then we can overcome all sorts of things because the battle's already won. God's already taken care of that. And if we're a Christian, God lives with inside us, and we have the Holy Spirit to help us and give us discernment and guide us through this life, and we'll just let him. So the secret to happiness is a relationship with Christ. We've got a picture. Uh, I'm, a, I'm starting to be, look more the part of an elder with all this gray hair, right? Uh, this spot I found on Facebook. Yeah, old people still get on Facebook. And Facebook... Um, showed this picture on Forgotten Oklahoma was the group, and I recognized it immediately. I had not seen that since I was, oh, probably eight, nine years old. But that spot right there, you can see the little stage down at the bottom, and you can just see over this beautiful spot was Camp Hudgens out by McAllister. And it doesn't, uh, it's just, uh, somebody just privately owns it now. It's not a camp anymore to my knowledge. But right there in 1983, uh, I accepted Christ. I remember uh, that guy was talking. I mean, it felt like he was talking to me. I got uncomfortable. I made my way down there um, and accepted Christ, and that changed the rest of my life. And I think of my wife that accepted Christ after we were married, and we just talk about the difference of what comfort that was for me to go through those challenges from being a seven-year-old and have God with me and not feel alone, but to know that he's with me through all those ups and downs that we will have struggles. And I pray that for you. And also, how many in here accepted Christ at camp? I'm not the only one, right? Okay, there's different hands. Oh, yeah. So uh, send your kids to camp. Uh, get some time to be with God uninterrupted, and it's wonderful.
So look at Philippians. Talking about the secret of being happiness, uh, secret of happiness is being able to be content. Okay, this world would have us not be content. That oh no, you need this, you need that. You need Christ. You can be content. Uh, Philippians it says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost anything, or with everything. Uh, oh, sorry. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I remember being a senior at uh, Perkins, and boy, I was lucky. I was pretty sharp, but I wasn't studious. So I didn't make the best grades, and I had a coach calling me, you need to be at the awards ceremony tonight. And I was like, no, coach, I don't need to go to the awards ceremony tonight. That's academic awards. And he's like, no, you need to be there. I'm just like, all right, coach. So I'm there. I could probably sit in the back, probably dressing a little disheveled. I don't know. Uh, but then they call my name for this Pat Smalley scholarship, and, they, and they're talking about it, and it's like, uh, for, a future med, for a future medical provider. And I thought, that is super cool that uh, they picked me out. Now, granted, I was small school, 50 kids uh, in my graduating class, but somebody saw something in me. One of those scenarios back there wouldn't have seen much in me, right? But somebody saw something in me, and that wasn't a big scholarship or anything, but I tell you what, it was a big shot in the arm to have that encouragement. And I want you, you family to take this opportunity, this season for these seniors to be a shot in the arm for them. They're going to put on that fear grin, but they're human. We're all human. Be that encouragement to them. Uh, lift their spirits. Tell them about their amazing potential uh, because God sees it. Even when we have a hard time seeing it in ourselves, others seeing it is wonderful, and people need that validation. God sees your potential. He says that you're a child of God, and so that brings us to it again. If that's the truth, then God loves me, right? Okay, let's say it. One, two, three. God loves me. Absolutely. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing to hear. So these seniors, this next year, you're going to be pushed and pulled and shoved into all sorts of situations that you don't want to be in and asked to do things that maybe you don't want to do. And we want you to make the right decisions because you're going to have all these choices. You're going to be outside the roof of your home and you're going to have all these chances uh, to make decisions. And when they're getting pushed and pulled in the wrong direction, don't do it. Just don't do it. That's really easy for an old guy like me to say, right? No, because I've been there and I did it. Don't do it. <laughs> so don't do it. Um, stick with God. Follow your faith regardless of your surroundings. Uh, let God lead you. Don't let others lead you. Think about it for a second. It seems pretty stupid, right? You think about this guy that, or girl that's tempting you to do something you shouldn't do. And you think, am I going to let them lead me or am I going to let God lead me? When you truly stop and ask yourself that question, it seems pretty silly, right? God's obviously got your best interests at heart. So now Joshua puts it really well. It says, regardless of what the world does, we should follow Christ. Joshua 24, 15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates, or would it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. So as you're a senior you're, and you're out there, think, even though you've got these people surrounding you, as for me 
in my life, I'm going to serve the Lord and say no. It's okay. Um, I was had the opportunity to do a, a lot of prison ministry over the years, and I got to see somebody that was pretty cool. Uh, us old people probably remember them, but that's still, they're still around doing it. The Flying Walindas. It's a high wire act, right? And Tony Walinda would go into the prison, and we went out there, and then over this cement court, no safety net, 30 feet in the air, hooked a high wire, and he goes up there and starts walking. He's wearing one of these mics, and he starts going across this high wire, walking and talking to us. And I'm telling you, he had their attention. All these prisoners on the prison yard, you know, I'm seeing probably taking bets. Oh, he's going to drop, he's going to drop. <laughs> but meanwhile, he was able to speak to us and deliver an amazing message, talking about his whole family did this. And what was the main secret from when they were really little and they'd start a foot off the ground is where does that cable, where is that wire hook? Where is it anchored? And you keep your eye on that. If you take your eye off of it, you can fall. And that's all of us. If we take our eyes off of Christ, we can sink in the water just like Peter did. And what I challenge you to do as seniors, and really all of us, it doesn't matter if you got gray hair or you don't, if you have hair or you don't, we all have challenges and choices to make every day. And we need to keep our eyes where that is anchored. And if it's anchored in Christ, hopefully we will not fall. But you know what? We'll see in some other scriptures that hopefully someone will be there to pick us up. And we need this group of people to do that. So when we look at um, never taking your eyes off the goal, if you look at the people around you, if you show me your five closest friends, I'll show you your future. I love that quote. If you show me your five closest friends, I'll show you your future. If they tend to underachieve, you'll tend to underachieve. If they tend to overachieve, you'll tend to overachieve. So pick your circle well. Pick your circle well. And don't let the uh, secular worldview pick those people. Let a Christian worldview pick those people. And Because some people in uh, college and even throughout life are going to say, yeah, the Bible's just filled of stuff that says, don't do this. Well, it also is full of stuff that says, do this. And that's what we need to do. We need to use it as a guidebook to say, what should I do with my life? I don't have the answers. And we need to follow what the Bible says. James puts it well. I like James. It's kind of like the Bible for dummies. He just puts it blunt. And we just finished that series here, and it was great. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Um, I know Sarah likes these next couple verses. She puts them together. Uh, one's out of 2 Corinthians, one's out of Philippians. Um, and they're great to put together. So whenever we're talking about getting the right thoughts in our heads, getting the right people around us, it's really important. Um, we don't want to just be alone. Um, 2 Corinthians 12, 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Okay, so we, we got to get rid of the wrong thinking, the negative things, the bad things, the things that uh, God wouldn't have us do. But we don't just need a blank canvas. We need to do something with that, that space. We need to put positive things in there. We need to be thinking good things. And this is where that next verse comes straight into it. Philippians 4.8. 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So just think about that. It's not just, okay, I need to not do bad things. I need to not think bad things. I need to think good things. I need to do good things. And this next year, you're going to be set up to really set a trajectory for the rest of your life as a senior graduating and starting your next thing, whether you're going to work or whether you're going to college. Um, but you need to get the people around you. You need to get a church around you. You need to get other Christians around you. Um, it's not good for man to be alone. Genesis 2.18, it's not good for man to be alone. And um, there's three points kind of that, that brings up as I was going through things. One, it's safer, it's supportive, it's smarter to bring people around you that are going to love you and hopefully guide you and let you help them as they help you. Proverbs 11.14 says it's safer to be in that group. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Get the right people around you, and it's safer for you. It's better for you. It's supportive. Man, we need that. We talk about that falling off the tightrope, right? We need one another to support one another. Whenever you're on the mountain, you need to be looking to see who's in that valley. Who can you love? Who can you help? And it may not take much. Boy, just a shot in the arm. And you know what? When you're in that valley, you need to reach out to those people that are in your circle, that are on the mountain, to help bring you out of it. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. It's smarter to get that group around you. It's smarter because Proverbs 28, 26. Only fools would trust what they alone think. That's pretty powerful. I think we do a lot of that. Pride and selfishness. We think our way and it's my way or the highway. And boy, my way or the highway is a good way to lead to the ditch. So that would be the fool sitting in the ditch. And I've been in that ditch. I've been in that gutter. Only fools would trust what they alone think. So yeah, that finding the church, I'm, I'm not kidding around about that part. If you're a senior and you're thinking, wow. I'm getting out, and I've been a condensed spring, and I'm going to spring, you know, uh, whenever I get out there. I just really challenge you, look right now, make plans where you're going, where you're going to be, and get involved in a church. Go online, look at their website, see where you think you might match up. If you're going to work in a certain area, where's a church in that area? If you're going to go to school in an area, what's a church in that area? And start looking at their websites, figuring out things they do, and think, ah, I think I could align with that. But the big deal is, within the first couple weeks... You need to be plugged in because, man, those when the first homework and first test start and first boss chewing on you will happen within a few weeks, and then it seems like everything changes. You need that support structure there. So pick a church, get involved. They need to know your name. Don't just go sit in the chair and go. And I punch that clock and tell mom, I went to church and I sat in that chair. No, people need to know your name, and they need to be able to say, Pete, you weren't there Sunday. Where were you? Okay, you need that. And you know what? That church needs you. Don't just think, oh, well, I need to. That church would be blessed by having you there. 
We love to have young people here uh, because it gives us hope for the future. And we also can think about where we were at that age and think, oh, right, I wasn't sitting in that chair. I sure am glad they are. I sure love it. So uh, Proverbs 14, 12 is another brutal one. Proverbs and James, man, they'll beat you up. It's okay. <laughs> we need to get beat up sometimes to get us right in the right direction. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. That's pretty sharp. That one stings. That one stings. So when we think about that, many people, you'll watch it. I hate it. God hates it. But you're going to go this freshman year, and you're going to see so many people just party their future away. Trade their future for this. Trade it for that. And you're going to see how many people are in your class when you started the semester, then how many people are taking that final. It's shocking. Be there to take that final. Do the right thing along the way that you're where you need to be when that time comes. And stick together with those people that are willing to be Christians at college. Boy, that starts narrowing it down. Find those people that will help you be a Christian at college. And those, are, those could be great lifelong friends. We talk about getting the five people around you that can help shape your future. Get those five good people around you. And then stick with them. If they're bold enough to be a Christian during college and those pressures and struggles, I bet they will when they're out in the real world, out in the life. Um, and they're going to be great to have in as a relation as you go out there and try to make your way. We all need people. People need people. Now this one, I like this one, Proverbs 21.5. says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. That is something when you're in college, you'll be thinking, oh, you know what? I could skip this class. Sue Ann's going to take notes for me, or I'll cheat on this homework. Uh, I got this other person that's willing to give me their homework, and I'll get their homework done. I'll copy that. And then, wow, the test rolls around because you didn't do the homework. You didn't know what you needed for that test, and they bombed that test. Or uh, what, uh, you may say, hey, I skipped classes. No big deal. But then you show up to the next class. Oh, we're having a test. Yeah, yeah, they told us last class that we're having a test today. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> but it'll happen. Or you'll just wake up and realize, whoa, I missed that first test at 8 a.m. Not cool. And so the shortcuts can lead to poverty. Don't believe the lies. Of your oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. But doing that homework, putting in that time can lead to prosperity. Doing the right thing. God wants what's best for you. He's not trying to steal fun away from you. And that's one of the things that sin being fun is a lie. There's consequences to every choice we make. The older we get, the faster we realize it. Whenever they brought the woman out uh, to ask Jesus to stone her, and what he say? He said, you without sin cast the first stone. And I love what gets overlooked a lot there is that it says the older people put down their stones first. Yeah. Us older people, we can start looking back and say, you know, I made a mistake here. I made a mistake there. And the Bible goes further to say, when you know the good you should do and you do not do it, then to you it is a sin. Try to live up to that standard. Can't do it. We all need Christ. We all need Christ. So let's, talk, let's say it again. You're going to get tired of saying it. God loves me, all right? God loves me. One, two, three. God loves me. Oh, I love it. I'm hearing more voices. I love it. So the secret to happiness is taking care of others, thinking about others, being there for others. The greatest commands. He's trying to lay these things out for us. Matthew 22, 
37 through 40. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. You know, I think it's kind of nice. I didn't know Bruce was going to be here this morning. Bruce Cox, I got him in my sermon. Yeah, Bradley. So sorry, Bruce. Bruce was talking to me one time, and I really respect him. I think he's a fantastic guy. It's Bradley's dad, one of the other elders here. And he was talking about, yeah, when you're listening to a preacher, he's usually dealing with something with someone uh, in the congregation or whatever, and a lot of his preaching will be because he's digging for that, and it's based on that, trying to address things. But also, if you listen careful, God's dealing with that preacher about something, and that's what's coming out in the sermon. And I think that's really neat. And I realize that when it comes to uh, this next verse, because that's something that he's always done with me, and I had to make it a memory verse early on for me. Um, the first part is, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in all things consider others more important than yourself. And that's Philippians 2.3. The next is really great. Uh, uh, 2.4, it says, Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And I like it because it's saying something that can really, really help us keep us from being so selfish and so egocentric and prideful and thinking of ourselves because that is a dark hole that will lead to depression, just being turned in, turned in, and not thinking about others around me. But washing someone's feet and helping someone else is so satisfying. It doesn't mean to think less of yourself. It just means to think of yourself less. And I think that's powerful. We just need to start thinking of ourselves less. This world would push us in, oh, it's all about you. Whatever makes you happy. If you like it, I'm okay, you're okay. Nope. The life, uh, the secret to life and happiness, I feel like, is a relationship with Christ, and part of that is it's not about you. If it's a relationship with Christ, and it's about Christ, it's inherently not about you, and that's tough. But if we start living that life, it's great. Rick Warren was Saddleback. He had that uh, purpose-driven life, 40 days, right, of prayer, and one of the big takeaways from that is it's not about you. It's not about you, and that is a wonderful, wonderful secret to living our lives and being happy. Um, I'm incredibly thankful. So I know it's a shocker. I did not turn out to be Superman. It's a big reveal right now. I know. Uh, didn't turn out to be a professional athlete. What I get to do is take care of adults over 21 with developmental and cognitive de uh, and physical disabilities. And you talk about filling my cup. And then God provided my wife to do that with me. And it's just wonderful. That is not being Superman. That's not being a professional athlete. That's taking care of people that might drool, that need total care, that need all sorts of help, that are nonverbal. And it's also taking care of people that will hug your neck and appreciate you so much that it's addicting. Taking care of someone, washing someone's feet is a wonderful thing. And I hope that for you. As you're picking a career, you may find something that I'm an accountant and that pays the bills, but boy, I sure hope You'll take on a career being a career Christian, figuring out ways, nights and weekends to make a difference in the world, making the world a better place, even if it's just one at a time, make a difference. I was also talking about the, the secret of happiness, right? It's Christ. 
And if we really believe that, we need to be telling someone, right? We need to be telling people the gospel. And at the end of the day, I'm not going to let this opportunity go away without sharing the gospel, sharing the good news, giving you the opportunity to accept Christ if you haven't locked that down. Uh, I was taught uh, when I started doing prison ministry that you need to start writing it down and tracking it. And so that's about, uh, I guess, 11 years ago. I started tracking it, and I've had the opportunity to pray with 181 people as they accepted Christ. And that is an amazing thing to watch God work and to be intentional because now I realize it's been a while since I've I've been able to sit there and do that with someone. And now I need to be accountable. I'm keeping track. And God is saying, hey, when's the last time you did that? Because if this is really what you believe, you need to tell someone. If you feel like it's going to transform their life like that little Camp Hudgens did in my life, tell someone. Be content. Be content. Find peace in that. God wants you to find peace. You're going to have all you need. You need to have peace in that. Stop worrying about, I want this, I want that. You're never going to find happiness in that. Philippians 4, 11 through 13, I'm going to read it again. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You can never have enough stuff. I think surely you remember, man, I really want this thing. I want that thing. And you got it. And a month later, it's like, oh, yeah, I've got that. But it drove you. I hope that you can find that that was an empty thing, that this world would push us into all sorts of empty things, and that we need to focus on these empty things. And I'm telling you, focusing on Christ and being obedient to what he wants to do in your life can fill your cup. It is not empty. It is never empty. Sharing the word, and it will not come back void, is what the scripture says. So we need to share it. We need to cast that seed. So you can never have enough stuff. Once again, I want you to say it. God loves me. One, two, three. God loves me. I love the voices. I love the little voice. I keep hearing a little voice. I love it. Because I was a little voice once. Um... And it just makes all the difference in the world. Have your kids in church. It's fantastic. So I want to, like I've said, I want to promise and just say, we're going to share the gospel right now. And I want you to just think about these questions I'm going to ask you. Okay? We're going to ask these questions. We're going to move through seven verses. And then we're going to finish. So the first one is, uh, I want you to think about, do you have any spiritual beliefs? Well, do you? Next is, Where will you go when you die? If something were to happen today and you don't make it through today, where will you go when you die? Next is if you believe in heaven and hell and God, will God let you into heaven? The next thought is why. And if you can't answer why, I want you to lock that down today. So we're going to go over these seven verses. The first one is John 3.16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He sent the answer. He sent his son. And that paves the way. Because in Romans 3.23 we see, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of his glorious standard. All of us have sinned. 
And you think, ah, yeah, okay. Well, the next catch is Romans 6, 23. If we've all sinned, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we all are separated from God because of our sin, and we've all sinned. But in 1 John 1, 9, he says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. John 14, 6. Jesus wants a relationship with us. He wants to save us from our sins. He wants us to have eternal life with him and go to heaven and know and have that security for when we're in the valley to know that we're going to heaven and we have a relationship and that we are Christians. He says in 14, 6, um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So in Revelation 3.20, he says, look, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Not maybe, not I know what you did, and nope. And to think that God can't save you from your sins is to insult Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Whatever you did, he can handle. He's big enough. And he wants to forgive you. Let him forgive you. So Romans 10, 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not maybe. So it's simple, isn't it? Sometimes we make it so complicated. I just shared seven verses that lay it out. So it's a choice you have to make. Are you a sinner? Would you like God's forgiveness for your sins? Will you accept that God raised Christ from the dead? The next one is the biggest one. One I made right there. I was sitting there on that pew, and somebody said, Would you like to invite Jesus into your heart and life right now? So if you thought about those things, and you were rock solid, and you know for sure he gave away, and there's a suggested prayer for that way. It says, this suggested prayer, I always, if I'm going to pray this prayer with someone, I always tell them what it says first instead of just, hey, bow your head and repeat blindly after me. No, here's a sample prayer. Father God in heaven, thank you for your son Jesus. I'm a savior. I cannot save myself. I need a savior. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave. Please forgive me of my sins. I turn to you, Jesus. Come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and make me the person you want me to be. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. So what we're getting ready to do is I'm not going to miss this opportunity. If I feel like it's the most transformational thing, if you feel like it's the most transformational thing, we're taking that moment right now, and we're going to pray this prayer out loud. I just go to one of those commas, and then you repeat. I go to the next one, and you repeat. The person next to you, it may be the first time that they've really locked that down. And if you're going to pray that right now for the first time, that is fantastic. So we're going to say it together. And if you've prayed it a million times, we'll make this a million and one, and let's pray it together. Father God in heaven, thank you for your son, Jesus. I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. I need a Savior.
Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave. Please forgive me of my sins. I turn to you, Jesus. Come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And make me the person you want me to be. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. So I pray, I hope that someone that couldn't answer why God would let you into heaven can answer that question now and for the rest of your life. We have to get to that point sometime, and we need to do that to be able to get past all that this world is holding us back with, to be able to have that relationship and be right with God and be able to have that peace and then extend that peace to someone else. Because the only thing better than going to heaven is taking someone with you. Share the good news. Share the good news. I'm going to uh, put my number up here. You may or may not want that number, but I'll tell you what, over this next year, if anything were to happen to any one of you seniors and you're just like, man, I can't call mom or dad, I wish you would, call Pete. If you're somewhere you shouldn't be, call Pete. I'll come grab you. If you're feeling down and you need somebody to fill you up, the elders will tell you, I'm the optimist forever. The optimist. I'll fill your cup. I'll encourage you. Uh, we all need to be there. When you fall down, there needs to be someone there to pick you up. And so just as my number's right there, be that to someone else over this next year. Be that to someone this week. We need to help one another, encourage one another. This world can feel so alone and distant. So I'm just going to close with God loves me. And I want everyone to say that. One, two, three. God loves me. Thank you. Come on, church. Let's stand and worship together this morning.